Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends, talking you through your workplace woes or your work from home woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer working from home so long I have forgotten how to be social, Katie McDonald. And as always, your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, who is the inspiration for the new 2020 model Mattel Fall Homeschool Heather, Heather (laughs) MacArthur. That was such a good meme. Like, I don't know if everybody's seen it where it's the new uh, homeschool Heather. <laughs> oh, I'm going to post it. Everybody will see okay. it when they click Oh, excellent. <laughs> she is jacked up and I love her. And that is exactly, that is exactly how I look every day. If anybody needs to know. Um, <laughs> it's a mood for sure. <laughs> it's a mood for sure. It's the 2020 mood for sure. Um, yeah. So welcome to the show. We're going to walk listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement or even uh, employment. And so most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you and, and, and getting in that driver's seat, even if there's certain things that are happening right now that you're unsure of or uh, just are out of your hands. So we want to talk about how to make a, a blended work environment work for you because wherever we're headed, that's going to be kind of the new norm for, for most folks everywhere. Uh, whether you're a manager of a team that will continue to be largely remote or just trying to figure out how to handle long distance work relationships in the long term, we've got strategies today. So let's uh, let's get cracking. Okay, I am actually really excited that we're talking about this. Uh, depending on what you are hearing from your uh, employer, wherever you are uh, on the spectrum in California or in other states uh, around the country, you are probably starting to hear from various human resources teams, or hopefully you've got some kind of a sense of <laughs> when people are expected to return to normal in a typical office environment. Obviously, this doesn't take into account all of the uh, amazing and hardworking essential workers that have been on the front lines making sure that we are getting fed and getting our toilet paper uh, (laughs) on a regular basis, not to mention keeping us well and healthy. Uh, But for those of us who are working on some level in uh, an environment where we can be working remote, some of us are now facing the uh, looking down the barrel of possibly being remote while other of our coworkers are going back into the office. So it's it's a huge new problem uh, in our workforce, right? And Heather, I'm so excited to get your, your tips on this. Uh, currently, I am looking at not being able to go back into an office setting until June is the word on the street. Uh, and I am really curious because some of my colleagues will be returning into the office and working directly with each other during that time. So I'm keenly invested. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, you know, and even, you know, you were saying, hopefully people are getting some messages and some people honestly aren't, especially with now we're going through what people are expecting or assuming is going to be um, another surge. And I mean, the numbers are matching it in certain States, California, especially. Um, so we don't know, like there's some people who I think some companies who were planning to go hybrid and have some people in the office part of the time and others, you know, working from home. Um, there's other companies where, 
uh, it's just long distance has just kind of, they're just going to be that way and they're saving money on office space and they're just headed into a much more virtual world. So whatever it is, uh, I keep using the word hybrid because there's going to be some level of a mix. Um, even if it's solely working from home, there's still this kind of nuance to things. And so I, I just think no matter what, getting skilled and being really savvy at what it takes to work from home, what it takes to work in an office part-time, what it takes to connect with team members that you see part of the time or don't see at all, all that and and just being much more multi-layered is going to be the future of what makes you employable. End of story. Um, yeah. So, and that's, that's what we're digging into, right? I am keenly interested in hearing uh, about how I cannot turn invisible in uh, a situation in which my colleagues yeah. are meeting in an office and I am a disembodied voice on Skype. Yeah, it's look, there's two things. And I think here's the plus of it is there's been a lot of teams that have been, you know, people have been working virtually for a while, even if it's just uh, I, I saw this happen quite a bit is like the home office is say in California and that's where the majority of people are. And then you've got a couple of people working either in satellite offices or a smaller population in like New York or Seattle or whatever it might be. And the people who are dialing in for things are usually like the the, the stepkids of the situation and they get completely mm-hmm. forgotten about. I think we've got a couple of things working in our favor. Uh, almost everybody, except for people who are like my boyfriend who have just been essential this entire time and they just, they don't do their work via phone or computer. But most everybody else has has had an experience from working from home. So there's a level of connection to this that we that people who were in the office didn't have before. So now everyone's had some experience of having to dial in, having to do these virtual conferences, knowing what it's like it, you know, to get a word, trying to get a word in edgewise. So I think there's a level of empathy and awareness that wasn't there before that will be it, you know, help us in the positive. The other part of it is um I think leaders have had to get more savvy on this as well of how to build connection with people and not just over s you know over connect to people who are there in person. Now, once if once we start to get back into that hybrid environment or if you're already in that hybrid environment, I think one of the skills for any manager should be how do I actually get good at making sure that whoever's in the room and whoever's on the phone or on the video, that there's a seamless level of connection, which means I have to get better at connecting with people. And some people are better at connecting by phone, in person, whatever. We all have our biases when it comes to, and as a manager, you're going to have to really check this. Do you have a bias to feel more connected and and in that way actually kind of over assign positive attributes to people who are in person with you Mm. or are you a person who you know do you need to see them in person to do work like all those things so when I do a hybrid class they do this self-assessment where they kind of check what are my kind of preferences when it comes to what feels productive to me how do I you know how do I gauge my employees performance what tends to build a relationship with me as a manager and then looking at that and going how is that maybe playing in the negative based on the kind of team that you have the next thing is getting really clear as to why you have the team set up the way that you do why are you all virtual why are you hybrid why are you mainly in the office whatever the situation is other than just logistics what's what purpose does it serve and getting really clear about that um, if your values are that people feel uh, inclusive in your team, then you've got to also, you know, 
consider, am I creating an inclusive opportunity for people who have got kids at home and, or taking care of, of elderly parents or whatever it is. So as a manager, there's just a, a broader kind of dynamic dimension that you've got to be able to deliver on in terms of team building as a team player. It's no longer just, hey, the people dialing in are just going to have to fend for themselves. You should also be someone who's demonstrating someone who can bring in the person who's on video, connect with them. If you're on video or you're on the phone, you don't get to play the quiet mouse anymore. Mm -hmm. You just you really just don't get to no one's inviting me into the conversation. Um, ideally, what I recommend is that teams kind of do at least every three months a check-in and go, hey, what's working for us? That's what's not working for us. And meetings should be a topic and communication should be a topic. What's working for us in meetings? What's not? What do we need to change? Um, even if you did a survey monkey, how effective are these meetings? What do you wish uh, would, would improve? What do we want to make sure that we keep? To get a sense so that everybody feels like they have a voice and they can share, you know, here's here's what might be missing. So those quieter people who don't want to complain out loud in the in the in a team environment, you're just doing a little check of what's effective, what's not effective. Um, and around communication, you know, do, do there need to be more one-on-ones? Do they not feel like they're getting enough relationship one-on-one -on -one bonding with their manager, but also with their team members? Are they doing enough little one-on-one -on -one conversations with their team members to get that team feel uh, that would exist, at, you know, by walking by each other's office? I'm so glad you brought that up because the hallway, what I'm calling the hallway conversations are a big part of what I'm concerned about missing as a remote member of a hybrid team. There's so much business that gets done when you can pass somebody in a physical hallway and yeah. say, hey, you know, Bob, did you get what I meant by that email? And Bob can either say, yes, totally gotcha. Or actually, I had a question about that. That can be resolved right there. There are no hallways where I'm going to run into Bob. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? There's there's these other advantages like now because much more people are using things like Slack where they're having these like immediate chat messages or, hey, let's hop on video. I think Teams has that option. Um, I've got a question or whatever, or pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Uh, I, this is where I go back to team members as well as managers have to get better at it's less about what's in front of me and more about that. I'm thinking strategically, how am I connecting with my team members? So if, if I have four team members who are in person with me and there's a lot of in-room chatting, I should be noticing, you know what, Katie's not been a part of this conversation for too long. Let's just, let's just dial her in. Let's instant message her. Let's see if she can join the chat or join a video. Or if, you know, you're taking care of kids during that time, you know, let's make sure that we're having some of this or maybe even just one on one. I find time to talk to you. So I think before in the past, it was kind of this assumption of anyone who wasn't part of the gang, the in-person gang. It's up to you to fend for yourself. I think the future of teams is know the skill. One of the competencies that people are going to be, you know, evaluated on is how good are you at building relationships with me with team members, regardless of location? And it sounds like you're advocating for the accountability to really be shared with t hybrid team managers to ensure that they're kind of standardizing the amount of quote unquote FaceTime that they're spending among all of the members of their group, whether they're in person or remote, but also very much making sure that if you are that person that is remote on a hybrid team, that you are maximizing your time with those behaviors that, you're, that your uh, manager is setting up and that you are trying to find ways to create those hallway moments to, to make use of Slack and 
Teams chat and, you know, side Skyping everybody. I've been calling it side Skyping, just having those little conversations <laughs> where it's like, I was in this meeting. Did you hear that? Um, which leads me to a <laughs> leads me to a question. Is is the level of quote unquote professionalism or formality that we are used to exhibiting in teams where people are some people are joining over the phone or even in chats and emails? Are we going to see or are we looking for a slide into the more personal, less formal ways of communicating with each other because that's one of those ways to forge connection? Or is it we still got to keep it buttoned up to the degree that this is all written and you want to make sure that you're, (laughs) this is all being recorded? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, I, I always go to it should support the goals of the business. Whatever kind of communication you do, does it support the goals of the business? And, and I think it's great that we kind of lost how uptight we are over stuff that was an old school kind of, oh, you're polished and you've got to dress a certain way or no one can take you seriously. Or you've got to, I, you know, you've got to, are you working from home? What? Then that's not a professional environment. I'm kind of glad that that all got ripped away. Um, but that doesn't mean in terms of like, I still view that when I'm writing an email to a client, there's a certain level of formality that goes into that. And there's still a level of professionalism that happens even if they're calling it into, we're videoing from my home. I don't tend to video with clients while I'm sitting in my bed. My team members, they might see my my headboard from my bed and we might, you know, there's a casual <laughs> conversation. My clients, I make sure that I'm sitting in a chair. There's a different kind of background. But as a team, you should be discussing what makes sense for the kind of work that we do and what I go back to, what makes people feel safe to work with me? And that goes, I always said that about dress code. I always said that about the kind of language that I use. What makes people feel safe around the decisions that I'm making on their behalf, the the, the deliverables that I'm delivering for them on their behalf. And, you know, I've done work with video game companies. They don't feel safe with somebody who shows up in a three-piece suit. They feel better with somebody who shows up <laughs> in jeans and maybe like a hood because they, it's, it matches their culture. And it's about, do you understand what we're up to, what we value, what our style is? And, but if I turn around and I go to a banking environment, there is more of a formality because they're handling other people's money. It's a different kind of thing. And yes, money's involved in everything, but it's a different type of environment. And so the culture calls for different things. I think it's ignorant to just go, well, everyone's at home, so I should just be able to be myself. I think it's great that it doesn't matter if your cat shows up in the video and we're not going to like, I go back to just a year ago that it was this big viral video that the guy was in his office and his kids came in and his mom. (laughs) And now that would be, who cares? Like, of course, like, you know, there's kids and there's pets and there's whatever, and people are working from home. But I think there's a level of people are expecting a certain level of focus. And once again, it can't be this cookie cutter thing. It's no longer, you know, everybody knows this is exactly how you show. It's more of what makes sense for our business. Are we a, you know, an IT company and people need to feel like there's a level of customer service and professionalism and we're all wearing polo shirts? I don't know. Or is it, you know, we're we're a a really high tech security company or we're, you know, we, we sell glitter cookies to people, whatever it happens to be. It should all match the brand and the values that you're trying to convey to the customer and the the culture you're trying to create for employees. I I go back to a lot of people and a lot of managers had these little pet peeves because it was around the 80s of like, this is what a good employee looks like versus what really sets us up for productive work. And I used to buck that when it came to schedules. 
when I worked salary and I worked internally and I had been consultant for a while and someone had, when I, when I went back to work at Disney, I spoke to the person that I was reporting to. And I said, the, the reality is, is you're going to get a lot more hours out of me. If you're not telling me I have to be here from nine to five, there's, there's no reason. Now, if I have a meeting at nine, I'll be here. If I have something that needs to get taken care of at six, I'll be there. If it, if it needs to get handled on Saturday at two o'clock, guess who's going to handle it? Me. But if you start telling me nine to five and it's really arbitrary, it's just because that's what you're used to offices running, but it's not like I'm not answering client calls or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm trapped in a time thing and I'm more of a cog than I am an intelligent person. But if you're worried about my results and she was fine with that, she was like, I don't care. Just, you know, but if I need to know, if I don't hear from you for three days, I need to know you're alive. Um, and I'm like, that's, that's fine. I have, you're going to hear from me. But, and the same thing I said to, to anybody that reported to me is like, I don't, I don't care your salary. I don't care when you're here. I don't have to, for legal reasons, if you were hourly, we'd have to start to clock things. But if your salary, I care about results. And you saw a lot of this, like managers losing their ever loving mind when people started working from home. So like, I don't know if they're working. I'm like, then what are you tracking? Like, you should be able to see results. And I get that like in, um, you know, in March, March through June was this weird time of like, no one knew what to do. And there was, it was hard mm-hmm. to gain. I don't even know if productivity was the goal. Um, so I get that there was this moment of like, am I doing my job? How do I know they're doing their job? Like I, there was that, but at this point th- the wheels are moving. And I, I just feel like we need to move away from this idea of if I don't have proof that you're busy every second of the day, I, I just want to know that you're doing quality results. And if I'm clear on goals and deliverables and performance expectations, I shouldn't be babysitting. I shouldn't have to see everything you do based on, and and every job is different, but really kind of shaking this idea and starting to ask yourself, do I need this? Because old school management 101 told me that this is what a good employee looks like, or does this suit the mission of the work that we're doing? So as a manager, especially focusing on output, focusing on deliverables as a standard for how how is this employee performing versus when I Skype them, are they there immediately? Well, and to your point too, if there has been uh, some kind of a uh, setup established in which, hey, I'm working from home and trying to get my kids educated, they've just gone back to remote learning, or I also take care of an aged parent in my home. So if it's at all possible, I want to be available to talk between these hours and these hours, setting up that expectation and, and helping the team kind of accommodate those to the degree possible, then ensures that, well, if I Skyped this person during a time they told me they wouldn't be available and they didn't get back to me until they said they would be available, am I going to hold that against them or am I going to look at their output? Yeah. And I just like any, any other situation, unless they're on a customer call line where they're supposed to be available to customers at a you know, mm-hmm. nonstop thing. If I worked in the office and you called my office desk, there's not a guarantee I'm going to be there. Like, I, I, unless I'm a right. customer hotline, uh, you know, uh, representative, um, that idea that like, oh, I Skyped them, they weren't at their desk. I'm like, well, I could have been in the bathroom for crying out loud. Like, unclench. Um, and I, <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe I should have put those two things in the same sentence. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But what I what I'm saying is is that there's this element of here's what I recommend to any manager is, you know, they should have been doing this already. But if you haven't, like, sit down with each, sit down with the team and go, what are the rules of engagement that make sense for us? And this 
we, I have to get that now this idea that your personal life has nothing to do with your work life, like that's gone. The mm-hmm. band-aid's been ripped off. Everybody had to deal with kids at, at kids at home. At no, before it used to be like, well, you chose to have kids. It's not my problem. Well, the reality is, is school's closed. Like that was nobody's choice. And so right. you can't just go like, well, I don't care about the employees that have to have kids and, you know, sick parents and all those types of things. And I think it actually sets us up to be better humans to work with. But yeah, get together as a team and go, what are those things that no matter what your situation, we should all be committed to doing and communicating so that, you know, that's what fits for our team and the reality things. Then meet one-on-one and go based on what we're doing as a team, what are the, what are the personal considerations? You got a newborn at home. That's very different than the person who's by themselves and their two cats in my previous life, which I actually miss greatly. Um, <laughs> by themselves are two cats and they've got nothing but time. And, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily, they want to be available all the time. They have a different level of emotional exhaustion for different reasons, but the person with a newborn has a very different schedule than them. And so, and, and different needs than them. And so as a manager going, here's what I need from you based on your job, what's, what's the roadblock that you're concerned of and how do we work together to come up with something that's really viable? So it's not like, oh, okay, well, you've got a newborn, so I'm not going to expect anything from you. No, that's not fair either. They're still collecting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like you, as a person, you can't go, I'm going to collect a paycheck and I'm not going to work because I've got mitigating circumstances at home. That's not a fair deal either. You got to come to the table and go, I got a tough situation. Let's look at what can be done. And here's what's possible. Here's what's not possible. And the manager, and you have to, I think that's the thing is more and more managers and employees have to get better at navigating the gray. And it's not this cookie cutter thing for everybody anymore. And it can't be. But I think if you look at what are the goals and what's possible and then set those expectations and then guess what? I am going to performance manage against that. You are still going to get a review. And I'm going to talk about like there's people are kind of throwing things out like we're not going to do a review this year. It's like, well, why not? Because I guarantee you, you've been judging them this year. <laughs> like, don't act like you're not gauging their performance this year. And they're, they've engaging your performance as a manager this year. So why aren't you having that discussion? The idea of like whether or not you rated something or whatever, I, I think having a healthy conversation of you, you delivered what I expected and what we agreed upon, or you didn't. And here's, you know, what happened and how do we make it better next year? Like avoiding those conversations just seemed like a recipe for disaster. But what I wouldn't do is hold them to some sort of standard that you set in January that has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. I mean, ideally, people got together. If you listened to our previous podcast, you would have done this. You got together in the summer and said, clearly, we've got to recalibrate as to what our goals are. And but, you know, get together, figure it out, tailor your plans and then hold each other accountable for that. Just because I'm working, working from home doesn't mean that I can just completely just go like, oh. I'm just funded to play video games, unless that's actually your job, which is, you know, kudos to you for carving out a pretty cool career. Well, so I want to touch back on that, too, just to make sure that I'm understanding the messaging in uh, having those performance conversations. As we're nearing the end of the year, a lot of uh, a a lot of companies, a lot of organizations are having those performance conversations. Um, And just to make sure that I'm understanding kind of the, the tack that we're taking, a lot of companies, depending on what their uh, what their goal, what their output, what their product is, in March, got all of their goals for the year really thrown in a blender uh, based on yeah. what happened to the economy in general. So are we saying don't skip performance conversations, but have a conversation about how you've managed to adapt in this new environment and maybe talk about what 
our landscape looks like moving into the future? Or is there is there some merit in saying, okay, here is what we thought we were going to be able to accomplish in January. Let's have an honest conversation about what we should have been able to do in that time and if we hit that mark. Look, honestly, in the summer, they should have recalibrated and said, here's the reality of what we're going to focus on for the remainder of the year. If you're rounding out into December and no one's talked about what our real goals are and fine, like, let's not rake each other over the coals. 2020, let's not be jerks or assholes to anybody. As far as I'm concerned, (laughs) everybody's had a rough ride, whatever, whatever way they rode in, they rode rough. And so (laughs) if you didn't have your goals clarified in, in, in the summer, you didn't like recalibrate, then fine. And sit down in December and go, what are the highs? What are some lessons learned? Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's about learning and how to, how to be more aligned moving forward. Like, what are some things we wish we would have talked about and clarified? What would we do differently? What are we taking in with us? When I, when I think of performance discussions, I don't think of it as this is my chance to rate an employee's performance. I actually see it as this is our chance to collaborate and communicate and discuss what worked, what didn't, and what do we need to change moving forward. And if I didn't clarify expectations that were were attainable for this employee, if I left it at whatever we said in January and nowhere near is was that possible based on what happened, then I got no business talking about like, well, I expected this and you didn't deliver. That's ridiculous. But if you clarified, like, look, this is what I was looking for in, you know, based on the fact that COVID was happening, here were the things that we agreed that we would still deliver on. Hmm. If you had that conversation, then have an evaluation at the end of the year. If you didn't have that conversation, then have some version of how do we make sure that this year, don't just go like, oh, 2020 was a was a, you know, a crap hole. We're going to act like it didn't happen because 2021 is not going to be that different. Like you, you, you need to go what worked there, what didn't. And at the core of it, what did we learn about how we communicate? What did we learn when we were dealing with chaos? What did we learn when it came to everybody struggling? Did we come together as a team or did we start to kind of devour each other? And you could do that as a team, but also one-on-one what worked, what do we want to take into 2021? What do we want to leave behind? But you didn't set attainable expectations. You don't get to rate a person's performance based off of, I'm now going to sit back and think about what I might have expected from you and what I'm disappointed them on. You didn't know this is what I was expecting from you during this whole COVID thing. I was thinking you should call me more, but I never said that. But I'm now going to rate you on the fact that you didn't call me enough. That's that's ridiculous. And all you're going to do is you're going to add a layer of resentment to an already burned out employee. Mm. So what's the point? Well, and that's that's an extrapolation of the regular rules too. Don't evaluate somebody on uh, performance that you did not overtly discuss at the beginning yeah. of the performance period, whether uh, whether it was a uh, crazy uh, toilet year like 2020 or not. If you had an entire uh, an entire performance opportunity or performance management cycle where you could have set reasonable expectations. And you, as a manager, failed to create those with the employee. You don't want to go back and say, well, here's what I was thinking in my brain silently that you should have done and you did not read my mind. Yeah. And I I would say, you know, if there's I've seen organizations at all three levels where they're going, we did set expectations and we are going to have a a regular performance discussion and we're going to rate performance. Um, I think that's fine. Uh, If you are an organization that kind of 
didn't do anything formal. People did communicate about different stuff, but there was not like a really kind of mid-year check-in and, you know, it's not really clear. Then, yeah, sit together and kind of do a, um, a you know, from based on what we know, and maybe there's no ratings involved, but we're going to sit and talk about what worked, what didn't. And then if you didn't do anything all year long, you probably got some fires to put out anyways. You got some, so you got some problems. So I would say, how do you set 2020 up not to be, 2021 up to not be a complete clusterfuck? And what I would say is sit down and go, what worked, what didn't, what do we want to make sure we don't bring back into 2021? And yeah, I would leave ratings off and maybe you don't do performance reviews because guess what? You didn't set goals. Mm. So you didn't do performance management. And, and, and that's my thing is if you didn't do performance management throughout the year, why are you doing a review? <laughs> unless you're a sadist unless you're a sadist and you're really looking to like burn completely burn out the population that you have because everyone's everyone's at their own stage of this and there might be some people who are like i feel fabulous and you know kudos to you but i think most people are kind of rounding out this year with a you know let's all be kind to each other and let's all let's all have conversations that are focused on how to support each other to be our best version, even in the middle of uncertainty. And, you know, look, that uncertainty is kind of going to come to a bit of a peak in these next couple of months as the flu season hits and this, and we, you know, we're already starting to see some states, California included, that are kind of going back to harder restrictions. And, you know, the stress levels of people are going to be, are going to be up again. And I, I, I just, this isn't the time to go, well, this is the way we've always done it. It's like, that's the worst thing. And I know we started talking off about like hybrid teams and this is going to be kind of the reality of things of with a hybrid team as a manager, I'm going to have to get good at setting expectations. And we mentioned it earlier is like, yeah, we're going to be focusing on end results and, and output, but I should still be setting expectations on the how, mm. meaning how much communication am I expecting from you? What does that communication look like? What, what do updates look like? How how often am I expecting you to collaborate with others? And what do I think that needs to look like considering that we're, you know, either spread out and doing this all virtually or doing some in the, in the office and some not. So the how actually has to be clarified just as much as before. It's just there's a lot that we didn't do that we should have been doing that this situation this past year has created a better mandate for no you don't these in this kind of climate you don't get to go, get away with half passing this <laughs> you have to actually be good at this we should have been good at it all along but now we have to be good at it that's the that's the silver lining is we're now uh, we're realizing what skills are necessary in our brave new world <laughs> It, there really is a level of as, as much as, you know, I, I personally believe that people don't tend to change unless they experience a certain level of pain that makes them so uncomfortable that they're mm -hmm. going to move in another direction. Uh, we we should have been doing virtual work a long time ago. People should have been having the flexibility to be able to work from home if it makes if it makes sense uh, a long time ago. There's no reason for it not to be a possibility. And look how quickly all of us converted to do it and all these fears of like, oh, what's going to happen? And employees are going to do this. The majority of what happened is people actually overworked versus underworked. They struggled with personal boundaries of setting time for themselves because all of a sudden there was no leaving the office. Not to say that if you had someone who was an underperformer, that maybe they underperformed when they got home too, but you didn't have, I didn't hear one story about, wow, they were really good at their job. And then they went home and they just sucked. <laughs> Unless completely negating the fact that this person went home and had children to take care of and, 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 and parents and, and, you know, all those types of things, or maybe this person went into a depression, but there wasn't this, like, I don't know anybody. And it's not like I know everybody, but I, I talked to a lot of companies. I talked to a lot of different people. 
I help people coach their, their employees. I have yet to hear the story of this person was doing a really good job and they went home and I believe that they are just sitting there and could give two Mm. shits about their job. What I've heard mainly is they've got the first couple of months and I've talked to a couple of people around, like they were doing data research on this. The first couple of months, there was this just uber burst of productivity because they got home and they're like, how do I prove that I'm productive? And then there was like this drop because people started to burn out. And I think our biggest issue is, 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 is and this goes for the hybrid teams too, we're going to have to get good at teaching people that instead of being policed by managers that you're here at nine and you clock out at five, that people are actually good at managing their own prioritization, their own energy levels. They're, you know, I, as a consultant, I've had to do this for years and there's probably other people that are kind of similar, but I remember having an employee who started reporting to me and I may have used this story before on a time management topic, but when she started reporting to me, she had been hourly and she used to get Fridays off to go to school. She got converted to salary and she started reporting to me. And the question was, she said like, well, I used to take these classes. I still need to take this class on Friday. Are you going to be okay with me going on Friday? And I just started to laugh and I'm like, you get your biggest enemy is going to be yourself. Cause I could give two shits what time you're in and out of the <laughs> office. What I care is you get stuff done. You ask for help if you, if you, if you can't get it done and you manage yourself like a grown ass adult. And if you need to leave to go take a class, I trust that you will figure out how to take care of the work that you've got assigned to you. Plus the majority of work that you're going to take on, you're going to take on. And so I, I go, I'm not worried about overworking you, but I guarantee you in a couple of months, you're going to come to me almost burned out because you've never had to set your own time boundaries. You've been an hourly hourly employee this entire time. And so now you're going to have to manage boundaries and be able to manage expectations of what can and can't get done. And you can't use the fact that you can only come to work 15 hours a week Mm. as your buffer. And she did, you know, two, three months later, we had that conversation over again. And I was like, I get it. So let's start to talk about how to manage expectations, how to prioritize, how to set people up to understand what you can and can't get done in a certain amount of time versus assuming someone's going to set that, that, that parameter for you. If we actually enabled and empowered our employees to be true business owners in their own world, they would get better at that. And that's part of the reason we saw the level of burnout that we did is that people kind of, and there was this, just this guilt factor of crap. I'm, I don't know how to look. I had it as a consultant. Like we weren't booking work there for a while because clients weren't, you know, they were unsure what they were going to do. So they weren't booking anything. So I was like, I'm on the computer all day long. And I I look back and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Because I wasn't shopping. (laughs) You know, I was like, I was trying, I was doing work related things, but I'm like, I don't know what I produced Mm. because like I wasn't booking a whole bunch of stuff, but I was so busy trying to be busy because there was this fear of like, if I'm not doing something work related, at least a good majority of the day then what does that look like? And guess what? I don't work for anybody. <laughs> I don't know who I was worried I was going to look back. Whose performance so review were you working of... against? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But like like the universe, like the universe is going to punish me if I look like I'm having fun during this time. Like I like <laughs> this shit just carries over. It runs deep. So like as a manager, I just this whole idea that you, 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 these people, first of all, the person who went home during the, the pandemic and was like, woohoo, I'm going to chill and relax. I'm going to, you know, get a, get a pampered, like do my nails and watch all the movies that I love or whatever, whatever they were doing that like stressed you out. First of all, you need to learn something from them. I want to meet them. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> if they were able to relax during a pandemic and chill and just be like, I don't care about work. I want to know because those people, those people are probably the most mentally healthy people you've got working for you. Because <laughs> that is not what happened to me. And that is not what happened to every other person that I've talked to throughout this whole process. Like, I didn't know anybody who didn't have a certain level of stress and worry and concern. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's some people who like, I even wrote it in the article, like, look, the first week, go ahead and get a little sloppy. <laughs> Spend your time, like, you know, getting to do all the stuff that you never get to do because you're always in the office or whatever. And then, you know, figure out your schedule and get back to it. So enjoy yourself for a couple of days because that's kind of like it's a new little freedom. Like, enjoy it for a few days and then get to work. I don't think yeah. anybody did even Well, I, there was so much panic. The, the uncertainty factor of what we were dealing with at the very beginning is enough to make everybody just kind of hunker down and go to what they already know to do and do too much of it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that people need to understand is like, this isn't a work from home or normal circumstances. When I quit my job back in 2012 and I started consulting, like one, I just had that thing of, even though I was, I had all that I could do whatever I wanted and I wasn't booked a whole lot because, you know, I just started consulting on my own. The, the, the stress of like, okay, but I'm not booked. Mm. So what should I be doing to get booked? Like, I don't know. I just don't know many people. There's very few people. I met, I know one person who she had gotten laid off and she said, you know, I'm going to spend time with my son. It's his senior year in high school because I know this time next year I'll be working. And I'm like, man, you are amazing. She's like, oh, I've got, you know, I got some things that I got a good uh, severance package or whatever. And I'm just going to, I'm like, I can't even do that. Cause I'm like, what if I'm not working next year? But she didn't have that level of panic. She took a nice year with her son. And then, yeah, she, just like she said, she was working that time next year. So she did it and she relaxed, but those were under circumstances yeah. where the world wasn't falling apart. So I just, I go back to as a manager, if you're so stressed about it, are they doing their job or whatever? I don't buy that you had someone who was productive before they left and they went, screw it. I don't even care. Now you may have had people who went into depression that you didn't understand how to work with. You may have had people who were dealing with kids and, and family members that they never had to deal with while working. Those are all very different things than just, I don't even care about my job. And if that person was there and they were in the office and then they went home, you're like, well, how do I manage them now? There were conversations you should have been having with them while they were in the office. I guarantee you. I think it's that whole, like the message that I keep hearing is they're taking advantage of the situation. And I'm like, I don't think anyone's trying to take advantage of anything. I think people are trying to survive. And that's a very different thing. And I get that the way that they're trying to survive might be throwing you off a little bit, but every manager's who's worried about clocking someone else's behavior is because deep down inside as a manager, you're freaked out about whether or not your boss is getting to see what you're performing and that you're doing well. And you don't know how to be gauged as a manager because you're not in the office tracking people. And you're going to have to elevate your game and, and, and show up differently and be a good collaborator and be a good communicator and be a good team connector regardless of location. And you have to start to manage your manager expectations and get better about, hey, let's sit down. What does this look like as a manager who's managing people spread across, who's got team members, some of them with newborns and some of them with, you know, other situations. Some of them might be dealing with some mental health issues, some addiction issues that are coming up for them because of all the stress that's coming out. Like people's, people's internal stuff just started to blow up this year. So I'm, you know, I, I just, I think one, people have to get cutting edge skills at how to manage and, and perform within. And I keep using hybrid teams as to whatever version of that is. It's not ever 
it's probably never going to be a complete, we're all in person every day in office, in our offices, there's some level of virtual that's always going to be part of it. I mean, if the pattern holds, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I, I really, I, you've made it really clear that regardless of what the future holds for the hybrid teams, whether you are managing a team or whether you're a member of that team that's being managed in a new way, just anchoring the the purpose and the performance in what is the output? What as a team are we expected to do? What is our goal for what this is going to look like? And then kind of putting the puzzle pieces in as far as individual contribution around anchoring that to the both the output and the culture sound like a really strong uh, a really strong start for you know building on top of that. It's a strong foundation for navigating these new choppy waters. Uh, I feel a lot better as uh, an individual contributor that uh, poor Vita that will never be managing people if I can have it, if I can manage it, <laughs> if I can manage it, I will not manage. Uh, <laughs> but making sure I'm showing up means anchoring my performance in what are the team's goals? Am I, uh, am I contributing appropriately and proportionately to the team's goals? I don't need to get as worried about, well, should I be turning my, uh, my video on every time I'm meeting? Should I be constantly available on Skype and Teams and Zoom? Uh, should I make sure that I'm dressed professionally at home? No. What is my output? What am I actually contributing in a, in a real way? I feel a lot better. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. And and that's the thing is, I think that if we go back to even, I think decisions have kind of been taken away from managers once again, but I think soon it's going to be the, how are we going to do this moving forward? Um, and, and as they're making those decisions, look, you've got to consider regulations. You've got to consider mm-hmm. all these other kind of logistical things. Um, and I think being a little bit more savvy around legal requirements is going to be part of a manager's job. Um, but really sitting and going, what is the need of what, what getting really clear, what are the deliverables that we're supposed to do as a team and what environment sets us up best to do that? A company is going to have to, I think companies everywhere are going to have to figure out how to set guidelines that don't create these kind of cookie cutter. Everybody's in the same situation anymore, where it's really going to be left to a certain level of manager discretion as to how many people are virtual, how much time is spent virtual versus in person uh, versus before they used to be like work from home Fridays or we don't do any of that. I just think because it used to be just logistically easier to manage if everybody was in the office and we didn't have this like, but you know, like a, a policy, but the more that you kind of go, the policy is there's a level of manager discretion, but then you've also got to be able to hold managers accountable for how good they are at be building team morale and engagement. And that has to start being part of their performance review versus, uh, you know, an employee engagement survey that covers everybody in the company, but no manager really gets held accountable for that's a tall engaging their order to be sure to start to see employees as people across the board. Yeah. <laughs> but I, okay. So I want to grip onto the, conversation you just started about managing morale and kind of keeping a sense of, of camaraderie and, uh, and togetherness and teams, you know, being on the same team together up. What does that look like specifically at the end of this weirdest and wildest of years? This is a situation that we're in now. And this obviously isn't necessarily a manager by manager decision, 
For some, it's an entire company-wide decision. But how do we close out this year with each other? It seems more important than ever that as uh, as an organization, as a team of people, we find a way to uh, send this <laughs> terrible year spiraling off into the night. Uh, but how do we do a holiday party now? How do we <laughs> typically, this is the time where companies for the last couple of months have been planning, you know, oh, we're going to rent out this ballroom and we're going to do that. Well, there's none of that happening this year. Um, what are some things that we can look at if we are leading a team or in a decision-making, maybe we're in human resources or we're in another decision-making uh, position at our companies to try to close out this year with our employees in a way that sets our morale uh, at a high point for the next year? I'd say first off, you have to get clear on, did you do any team building? And that's, it's unfortunate, but I've talked to a few people where, because in the middle they were doing mergers or whatever else, and no team building was done. So just what I would start right now, if possible, is to do a once a week or twice a week little call where you start kind of people get to share a little bit about themselves and you do some fun stuff. Um, whether it's a, we're going to, we're going to do a share your source of comfort, um, you know, show and tell, and I can, maybe I I introduce you to my two cats or tell you a little story about that. Or I talk about the TV show that I watched or whatever, but everyone's kind of sharing what, what brings them comfort, but doing those little like share and tells if, and that can be done virtually. The reality is, is before I was telling people, you know, maybe back in October, start to think about, can you coordinate something at a park where people are six feet apart? Well, well, I think the way that we're going into the end of the year with flu season and what I'm seeing in most states, this upward concern about, you know, just avoiding unnecessary in-person mm. contact with people, I think you're going to have to do it virtually. And that's not, I know that we're kind of exhausted by Zoom and whatever else. And I, I get it. I get it. But the reality is, is if you're, if you've, if one, if you've done some team building, your team loves each other, care about each other, or they at least enjoy working with each other. Uh, if there's issues there, then at least being something that celebrates what did we do well. And I would recommend get together with the team now and go, here's the, um, precautions that the state is asking us to take, uh, the county is asking us to take, and our company is asking us to take. So with those precautions in mind, what would be meaningful for us to do to close out the year? And have the team brainstorm on ideas and then let them pull together something. And it might just be that they come up with their own kind of way of celebrating. There's a lot of stuff out there now that they've gotten good at. Like there's a wine tasting thing where they send people these little packages and it's like wine and cheeses. And then you have this person kind of walk you through this wine goes with this cheese. Or you can do beer tasting. You can do chocolate tasting. You can do little things like that where people kind of get a little little package if, if you've got budget for that. And then everybody virtually gets to kind of share that experience with each other. Um, you could do a, a, a secret Santa and people could mail something as long as it's something that someone could sanitize or whatever. So there's ways to do things. I would actually leverage the creativity of the team. If your team is at a point where they don't care about each other and they're kind of like, I don't want to see these people during my holiday. Uh, you got bigger issues in a holiday party, my friend. Like there's, there's team building that didn't happen. And I, I don't think forcing them through some sort of, you know, holiday let's let's sing songs and and and, you know share stories with each other i don't think that's that's going to put a band-aid on gangrene and things could get worse i would actually spend the time going like hey 
let's do some, let's celebrate some wins that we did as a team, even if it was painful and really getting good at calling out what those wins were, even if some of it was surviving just some chaos and try to put a positive spin on things. I like doing, whether it's my project team that I've done or a team that I've been managing, I like to do kind of the, you know, cheesy awards that celebrate people. But if you're Mm -hmm. like a, you got to be really thoughtful about that. So everyone feels celebrated and, and that you're good. And you got to be honest with yourself. Am I good at that? Or am I going to say something stupid about somebody? Um, Is it going to be a Dundee's episode? Yes. Is it going to be a Dundee's episode? And you know, don't, don't do that. But at least, you know, as a manager, what, what employees really want to know is that their work was appreciated and that they, that there's a certain level of care that's there. And as team members, look, I, the last couple of teams that I've worked on, I, I want to see those people. I want to be able to connect. I want to celebrate with them. Um, the people that I work with now, like I, I, I want to see them and we don't even have to do anything special. I could sit on the zoom call with them and just hear what they're doing for the holidays and that'll feel good. I just, I know we're all in it together, but I've been on teams where I'm like, <laughs> you guys are full of it. You've been costed to work with this entire year. We've got big issues and now you want, want me to sit there and share my family like traditions. And then you're going to turn around and talk trash about me behind my back. Cause that's the kind of nature that we're in like this weird kind of political environment. If that's the scenario as a manager, you got to check yourself. Like if that's what you're fostering in there, you got to fix some stuff. Like you can't just force people to feel cheery around it. And I would say just stick to celebrating successes as a team and that be your holiday spirit. Um, and try to figure out and say to the team, and we want to celebrate the successes what feels right for celebrating successes and be authentic. Like, I don't think this team is, is hundred percent cohesive. I think we've got a lot of conflict. I think there's been a lot of tough things that have happened this year and not everybody trusts each other. So how do we celebrate the successes so that we can start to move into 2021 in a more healthy way? The authenticity, again, as a pillar really makes a lot of sense, especially if it was a terrible year for your team, particular, if you guys, if you were struggling with uh, managing in this new way. Yeah. Be, I mean, oof taking the time to be honest and vulnerable with your team about that is is huge but also closes out can be seen as closing out a really tough chapter for you guys too and can move in a positive direction that can be really positive yeah look i think a manager who doesn't call a spade a spade ends up looking like an idiot regardless hmm. so if whether it's like look we've been worrying with each other all year long and we're not going to sugarcoat that but we are going to look for how do we move into the year in a better in a better way and 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 honestly say i this isn't the way that we're going to operate moving forward we've got to figure this out and i, I don't know the answer now so we're not going to sit here and unpack it um but this needs to be better or if it's you know look you guys went through a bunch of there's a team that went through a whole kinds of mergers and there's just they really just they were running like on with their hair on fire. They never really got a time to sit and build that new team. Mm -hmm. Like take the time to just say like, Hey, we've done some amazing stuff together. Let's get to know each other. Let's spend some time getting to know each other. It's not like they, they, it's not, they didn't have conflicts or anything. They just never got to know each other. There's others where there's teams who really care about each other, but guess what? Their team got gutted. Like the the people got laid off and, and they're reeling from that and they're hurting from that. Like, as a manager, you need to bring them in and say, like, I, I know this holiday, we, we would rather, we have all these people that we're missing and it doesn't feel like our team because, you know, because of COVID, because of the shutdown, like we lost a lot of them and it's, it's stark how that is. Is there room? Is there a pro, 
is it appropriate to maybe open it up and have some previous team members join for the holiday session? If, you know, talk to your HR person about that. If that feels too risky as a, an official company thing that you're doing, then, you know, call that out to the team and just say like, look, you know, I'm not going to, by all means, reach out, you know, to, to, to the people that you care about that are, are not working with us right now. But in the meantime, as a team, I still want to do something. This is a team. There's a lot of people that are furloughed that because of HR policy and, and not wanting to, you know, when someone's furloughed, you really can't do anything work related with them uh, just from a, just from a, a pay mm-hmm. standpoint. And so there's teams out there that that are like, you know, we've got people who are furloughed that are really still technically part of our team, but not part of our team. Like talk to HR, find out what's what's an option and what's not an option. And then be clear about that with your team. And if you're a team member, understand that you might go like, well, that just doesn't seem fair. And let's be human. And this is this. You got to understand that that company, you know, your company is trying to figure out how to stay in business. Right. Like, let's not add things that are going to add like potential lawsuits and and infringement on employee rights and that type of thing. Because if you if you put furlough an employee, there's, there's a legal ramification around that. And you have to understand that. It's, that's a lot of authenticity to pack into the end of the year, but like what better year to really throw all the cards on the table Yeah, and, uh, and talk about, yeah, talk about those wins, talk about the successes, but be honest with each other about how this felt, where, uh, you as a team are planning to go in the future. So just taking the opportunity to, to connect and appreciate the people that you can get together with in whatever, physical or virtual form um yeah that sets some some pretty good uh bumpers on the bowling lane for what an office celebration could look like i well you know what i appreciate that you've uh we talked about hybrid teams we talked about how to close out the year from a performance standpoint and we talked about uh holiday parties and you know uh i i say with the holiday parties is there's just room to to have some some I just, I just think wherever we can kind of give people a break and tell them thank you. Like, I th- think yeah. it does come down to something simple as that. With whatever budget we have left in our respective yeah. areas at the end of the year, whatever means uh, available to us, just uh, say thank you. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I want to, you just said the budget thing. That's the last thing I want to, uh, I want to say on this. Don't be the jackass manager who somehow has, like, it is a very kind of, the office kind of thing to do is to spend money on like a, a party and we just furloughed and laid people off Mm. because I guarantee you, I would have rather seen some money go towards their pay. And it doesn't mean that you can't do some stuff, but I'd be thoughtful about that. Don't be, you know, if if there's, cause a lot of times there's like money at the end of the year that needs to get spent, you know, spend it on something that's going to help them in 2021. Don't go like, we're going to do a full bash. And guess what? We just furloughed a bunch of people like, right. Have some sense. But here's some champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some champagne. (laughs) Speaking of champagne, I don't have any champagne, but I do have a rosé waiting for me. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. I had a Irish whisk. I had an Irish uh, hot chocolate this morning, which is probably why I had a good day today. (laughs) Ooh. Wait, what is an Irish hot chocolate? You know, normally they they have uh, the Irish coffee, and we just ask for it in a hot chocolate. And this this uh, lady just she she was like, I take pride in my hot chocolate, and I was like, this is the kind of hot chocolate chocolatula that I want to work with. And she made the most amazing hot chocolate, and uh, we had whiskey in it, and it was uh, it it set it its own for a happy Sunday for me. That's a great way to close out the week. I'm not trying to encourage people who are like really trying to to work through through not drinking during the holidays but i'm just saying if you if you're not that person and you enjoy a little uh something 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 
not a bad way to go. Yes. Uh, find the happiness when and where you can. Yes. <laughs> the yes. bottom line. Yeah, pretty much. Well, thank you guys for hanging in with us. We hope we address some uh, some points that are salient and appropriate to what questions you have looking towards the future of remote work or hybrid work, going back to the office. If you are a team manager, what this is going to look like in the coming months and the start of the next year. Uh, if you have ideas for other topics that are relevant to your work questions or your work situation that you would like to hear us address on future episodes, or you uh, have a comment or a counterpoint to anything that you've heard on this uh, podcast, we are always interested in hearing counterpoints and getting into it. Yeah. Uh, you may not know this about Heather, but she is a fantastic debater. I, I do. I do love a good debate. And uh and, and actually very, uh, it always piques my curiosity when someone says, I don't agree with you at all. Um, I'm fascinated uh, to hear what that is, truly and genuinely. So so please out to us. You can tweet us at LMTP Consulting, message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope you're having a happy holiday season and we look forward to seeing you on the other side of it. Woohoo! Woohoo! Bye bye!